I hope you're ready to learn something new because I am and we're geared up tonight. Listen, I want to welcome you to our Wednesday live event known as Innovation in Audio here on the Clubhouse. And of course, my name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. We help local broadcasters make more money by, of course, being an affordable programming partner who can fully develop the right position for your local brand or brands, coach your morning show or other talents, and design and execute station architecture, provide weekly music updates, and even produce your daily music logs. We provide excellent voice trackers when needed, sales and promotional ideas that move the needle in revenue and help you produce more ratings. We're confidential and market exclusive for radio. Reach out anytime, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. This live event that you're hearing right now will be part of a podcast series called the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast and will become available within about an hour or so at the end of this live event, wherever you get your podcast. Our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. They do a great job. Today, we're gonna visit on March 2nd, 2022, lots of twos in this year, if you haven't noticed. Ken Carson is the president of programming for new HD radio powered by St. Sophia's Mission. We're gonna to talk to him all about that here in just a few minutes, and you're gonna get an earful of what innovation looks like. Before we get started with our current guest, I wanna give you a quick preview of what's coming next week on Innovation and Audio. On March the 9th, Amy Shadroff is gonna be here. She's the co-host of KLIF News and Information in the morning with Dave and Amy. She's a product endorser, a storyteller, MC and trainer. And we're gonna hear how she does innovation and how they're doing innovation at KLIF. See our, our full guest calendar in our free blog section at rainmakerpathway.com anytime. That's where you'll also find free encouragement for on-air and promotions with our more than live and local guest series and encouragement for local sellers with our encouraging sales success series as well as free resources for anyone in radio today. We do not lock away anything on our website the way some other consultants do, so go to rainmakerpathway.com anytime and see what you can get for free from our team. Let's talk with today's guest now. I'm gonna start here. I've known today's guest for a long time, and Ken Carson has a significant background in the radio business with a focus on operations, logistics, programming, and engagement. Today, he is the president of programming for New HD Radio in New York and Los Angeles, and that's where we catch up to him for this conversation. Ken, uh, welcome to Innovation and Audio and the Encouragers. How are you, sir? I'm fine. Thank you so much for having me, Lloyd. Uh, our paths have crossed numerous times uh, during our careers, and I'm uh, very honored to be here today. Thank you. Well, I'm glad that you're here uh, since, you know, you've spent so much of your career in radio. I'm going to ask how you got first to be hooked up with radio business. Where were you? How did that happen to you? Well, uh, my parents had just retired from northern Virginia, where I was born and raised, to uh, Florida, Port St. Lucie, Florida. And this was a time when Port St. Lucie, Florida had 6,000 people. I believe today it has around 600,000 or more. 
Um, but I went down at the end of my sophomore year in high school. Oh. And uh, the local radio station had an ad that kept running. Uh, they were looking for a high school junior or senior that they would train and give a job to at the radio so I moved in late June. I went and applied early July, and I went through several interviews with them. And somehow, out of 50-some people, I got the job. Now, I know that I was, uh, up until that time, I was a very good public speaker, uh, even being a teenager, and I'm very outgoing. I have very few inhibitions. And uh, that was the beginning in uh, August 31st, 1975, at 15 years old, I started my first radio program. All right. So listen, I'm, I always, I'm kind of starting to slip this question in because it gives us a little bit more depth about our guest. Your parents, what they do for work? Well, I was, uh, uh, I was a late uh, comer, uh, so to speak, because I had two older sisters that were old enough to be my mother. My parents were much older when I was born, and uh, they both worked for the government. And uh, so my parents were very supportive of my early music career. I played six different musical instruments by the time I was in high school, very much enthralled with music of all genres. Um, you know, I would listen to some of their classical music. I would listen to Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass from my parents' collection. Oh, yeah. As well as uh, being influenced by my older sisters who had me listening to the Beatles at a very, very early age. Um, and each one of my sisters had different musical tastes. So one branch towards folk, the other towards rock. And uh, so they were big influence. <laughs> so you had a lot going on is what you're saying. And, yes. And look, I'm going to say this about you and you're just I'm going to don't judge me when I say this. We have a lot of guests and I usually try to classify people by how they answer certain questions. Ken, you're the baby. Yeah. That, yeah. I, thank you for saying so. I've been so all my life. <laughs> yeah, I'll just let you know, that means some things to us, okay? All right, so listen, when people start off down a career path, there's usually resistance to an idea uh, that develops usually naturally or it's accidental. Uh, when we talk about your parents, you said, look, they're really supportive. Were they supportive of the specifics of a radio career? Well, I started on the AM station, WIRA, and its format was MOR. Uh, that's not used very much anymore. It was middle of the road. And so it was the music that they liked. And they were thrilled to be able to sit down with their friend at the bridge table and listen to their son on their favorite radio station. Um, however, it wasn't long uh, before I went dark side uh, to the 100,000 watt FM, which was a, uh, a pop and rock station, uh, WOVV, uh, the Big Orange, as it was known. And uh, so I was running automation on the AM station while uh, running a show on the FM within four months of getting the job. So you had good experience. Did you take to the radio business immediately or... I, I, well, let me ask that, and then let me – well, no, I'll leave it there for now. Did you take to it immediately? I did. 
Um, there's no question that I found my calling at a very early age. It wasn't until a couple of years later when I met uh, my first mentor that I realized that this was going to be a lifelong passion. Uh, but I loved it. Um, and, you know, I, we would only go to school at that time until about 10 after 12 in the day. So I was able to uh, come into the station and I was on the air by, you know, could be on the air by two o'clock if needed. Right. Uh, so I, you know, going to high school and being on a hundred thousand watt radio station in Florida near the beach had its benefits. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it did. Uh, did you want back then? Did you want to be a big morning show personality? Did you have an idea that you would be a programmer? Did you did you want were you real super dorky and wanted to be a market manager? What was going on? Well, actually, uh, the when I did leave after three years um, at that station, the local paper did a full page uh, article on me. And uh, they took pictures. And in that article, I was quoted as saying that I wanted to work in a major market and I wanted to become a consultant. So, uh, you know, uh, your job is what I wanted to do when I was 16 years old. And Ken, was that big talk for you or did you really want to do all that? I really did want to do that. I, I was I love working with people. And once I caught the teaching bug, yeah, of teaching this business to others, that's when it really sunk in. Well, that's what I do quite a lot of, um, a lot of uh, commiserating. And I don't know if you want to call it psychology or whatever, but there's a lot in this job that are all of those things. Let's talk about your education for a minute. Um, I will have to do this in parts. You attended both uh, Indian River State College and the University of Waterloo, St. Paul's University College. Which came first, the philosophy and religious studies or the communication and media studies? Communication and media studies came first. And um, I did not complete my degree at Indian River State College. Uh, because I left and uh, took a job uh, with my first mentor, Dave Brewer, in Michigan. And uh, I think I, I moved to Michigan for overnight at $150 a week. And boy, did I think that was a great deal. Right. It's a lot of money, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so listen, you, we don't usually get people uh, on our live events that were into philosophy and religious studies and communications and media studies. Uh, I want to know, did you have a moment or more than a moment where you thought you might go down the religious lane, like seriously as a, a pastor or something like this? Well, I, um, you know, I, I'm currently a bishop in my church and okay. I studied theology I've always been fascinated with religion, and I've always been a very spiritual individual. So to answer your question, yes, there was most definitely a time later in life where I pursued this because in the back of my mind, I believed that I would end up in Christian rock radio at some point, something that didn't happen until 
just last fall, and I'll explain ah, later. Very good. Well, listen, this is a different question. It might sound similar, but it is totally different. Which of these studies helped you more in your career? Um, probably, uh, I, I, I really think my religious studies, uh -huh. it allowed me to become disciplined and uh, my need to give back really struck a chord uh, when I began my religious studies. So it, it was the ability to uh, talk with people, explain my beliefs, understand theirs, uh, and realize that, you know, no matter what we, what or who we worship, we're all the same at the end of the day. And it gave me the ability to, uh, to form empathy and, um, you know, it gave me the ability to talk with people in a very uh, neutral tone. And so I was never, it was never ego with me. Um, you know, I, I really felt that I was a teacher that listened and I was a teacher that came up with creative ways for them to improve themselves, no matter what level they were at in their career. Well, and look, I, I know that you may feel the same way I do about this. It's amazing how things like listening and empathy and wisdom kind of travel together. So you can see how those kinds of studies that would put you in that in that state, if you will, would be very helpful you with with what you're doing as a programmer for sure, right? Absolutely. All right. So listen, it's clear you're a firm believer in education or your parents are, and you are too, and especially learning what you don't know. Uh, you've talked about having a, at least one mentor in your life. Um, can you share with us how that individual, or perhaps m more than one, uh, helped you personally or professionally some profound uh, improvement in your life that they took part in? Yeah, um, the first mentor was Dave Brewer. Uh, Dave was, my program director, he was about the third or fourth program director that I had in Florida early in my career. He came down from Michigan. He recently graduated from uh, Central Michigan University. Uh, this was his, he was in Owasso, I think, at a radio station. So he came down here to take over the PD job. Dave, uh, for those that don't know, went on to uh, program the CAT in Oklahoma City. And then he was uh, a vice president at Jeff Pollock and Associates for many, many, many years before he retired. Dave took me out to the seawall one day. And we, our radio station was right on the Indian River. There was a small road between us and the seawall. Uh, beautiful place. You could see the manatees uh, playing in the morning. I always wanted the morning shift because the manatees were out there. Uh, but Dave took me out there because I uh, was a teenager and thought I knew everything. Uh, Dave assured me that I didn't. And basically said, you know, Ken, if you're not following what I'm asking you to do, then you're telling me that you know more about programming than I do. But he said it in such 
uh, a way that I was not intimidated by his comments, um, but I was moved emotionally that he cared so much to tell me that. And that was a huge turning point in my life. And Dave went on to say, you know, what you need to do is you need to learn from as many people as possible, taking the best of each and storing them away storing that away in your memory banks. Um, and I later worked with Dave. He brought me to Michigan and I worked with him uh, as my consultant throughout the years. And we've remained lifelong friends. Another individual that was a huge influence on me was Tim Moore. And uh, Tim has been in the business since Marco. Uh, he has the largest vocabulary of anyone that I've ever met in my life. And you usually have to keep a thesaurus with you when you're talking with Tim. Um, but uh, Tim is the one who taught me how to challenge and work with talent of any level uh, as, uh, you know, as a mentor, as a teacher, and Tim came up with a performance evaluation form that made it all logical. It, it wasn't, you know, hey, you had a good show today, or hey, that is like crap today, uh, what was wrong? No, 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 no. It was dealing in specifics. And the first thing that uh, this form would do, you'd sit down in an air check session, and you'd immediately, after listening to the entire show, scoped, uh, you would mention three things that you thought were fantastic about the air check. And But first you would ask the announcer, what do you think were the three best things? Well, here's what I thought were the three best things. And then you would say, okay, tell me what you thought were the three worst things about this air check and then i would share my thoughts and then we would go through 10 different uh subjects that were pertinent whether it be uh conciseness uh using local references how to use cinematics uh, which then further ingrained that announcer to that market uh, so you know people always you know, wondered, how do I become a personality? When did it happen? Well, it happened. You start relating to your audience. And you do it in a way it's all about them. People don't hear about, in one I had a morning show uh, where the uh, female half would talk about her maid. And I was in a market where a lot of people didn't have maids. So, I mean, you can't relate to your audience unless you're talking on their level, mentioning things that are happening in their community. Because if you drive by the same billboards they do every day, you see the restaurant being constructed, you see the new mall go up. Um, there is, you know, something going on in your community. And you've got to be able to share that, one of them. And that was a huge catalyst for me uh, that 
it, it really secured my place as a programmer and wanting to teach for the rest of my life. I got to tell you, uh, I, I think those are both good stories about uh, how people can have impact on you. I want to tell you that I got a similar story uh, told to me once, not at the same kind of lovely environment uh, and not exactly in the same way, Ken. Uh, when I was a teenager, I had what people would refer to as the voice. And that, of course, shielded me because I had no talent. Okay. Uh, but people would talk about the voice all the time. And I had an ops manager pull me aside one day and he goes, hey, uh, you know how people are talking to you about all this potential you have? And I said, yeah, yeah. And he goes, well, come here a second. And so I got real close to him and he whispered to me and he goes, do you know what that means? And I said, no, I don't. He goes, it means that you are not worth a damn. But if you work really hard, you could turn into something. <laughs> <laughs> that was his advice to me. Right. So, listen, radio, especially over the last 30 years, is not the go-to if you really want to describe innovation. But I see that you like experimentation, you like curiosity, you like learning, and approaching different disciplines. Why do you think radio has such a tough time innovating? Or do you think there's been an appropriate amount of innovation in broadcast? Boy, that's a can of worms there, Lloyd. Um, I will tell you that I believe that radio put talent uh, on the back burner and they stopped teaching. They stopped uh, educating programmers. Yes. Programmers had piles of responsibilities after the Telecommunications Act passed. They suddenly weren't programming one station and doing a shift. They were programming multiple stations. They didn't have time to do that. And then as consolidation continued, um, they gave up completely on training new programmers. The key here is creativity. Not everyone is born with the creative bug. However, I believe it can be taught at proper brainstorming sessions and by listening. I can't tell you how many I had a brainstorming session or meeting with my staff where the receptionist came up with the most brilliant idea. And so I've always believed that ideas can come from anywhere, any person, um, but you have to give them the safety of a true brainstorming session where there are no bad ideas. It's the same with morning shows too, right? You give yeah. them permission to fail and a safe space to take risk for you, sure. You know what? And that's what happened to radio. And I mean, I could, you know, I, I can give you examples throughout 30 years, but uh, radio stopped letting creative people become creative. And they had to then when I got in this business, when I started programming, you didn't have to ask permission to do a stunt. You didn't have to ask permission to put together a charity um, or a cause in your community. Now you have to jump through hoops and get permission and make sure the legal department is uh, has signed off on it. And I got to tell you, um, it, it is just 
strangled the creativity out of this business. Well, now, Ken, I'm just going to tell you, when you're trying to homogenize things and make them all the same so that you can control something more, you don't want a lot of differentiation, which is interesting because in our business, great brands are built through differentiation. Absolutely. And it, it, listen, it is... It is the same in programming as it is in sales. Um, you know, salespeople, I, and I will, you know, I've been told that I would make an incredible salesperson because I would go out with the sales manager and close deals because I knew the station and I could come up off the fly with unique ideas on how that client could stand out. Uh, there's not a lot of that going on, especially with salespeople that are only making 10%, uh, 15% uh, compensation off of purchases from buyers. Um, and so, you know, this is something that, you know, I admire people like the Jacobs Consultancy, um, you know, who have Paul as the business and sales guru who goes into markets and helps out sales teams. So, you know, there are people out there that are doing it right, but radio has got a lot of catch up. And unfortunately, uh, we've been trying to catch up ever since Disney radio came out. I don't know if you remember that, but Disney radio came out and suddenly it, they were appealing to young audience that wasn't in the 12 to the tomb demo. And radio gave up for many years on young people. And what happened by the time that grunge hit in the late 80s and 90s is that we had disenfranchised two generations, uh, at least one, but probably two, uh, from listening to the radio. And then Napster, uh, you know, I could get my music for free because my big brother taught me how. And it, the entire time, radio was chasing 2554. That was the only thing that mattered. Well, I'm going to say something else to you here. And this is just fodder and food for thought for later for you, Ken. But I do not believe, based on all the evidence that I see, that radio has done any trying to catch up. Now, that's <clears throat> that's a sad thing. Well, it can be. Listen, before we kind of shift gears here and talk about new HD radio, I wonder if we could talk about Sophia's mission a little bit. Can you tell us about Sophia's mission? Sure. Um, St. Sophia's mission was founded by my partner, Zach Martin, who works at WFAN in New York City. Uh, he was Scott Muni's producer for many years at NEW. Um, Zach has an uh, autistic child, as do I. Right. And it was an immediate bond. I've known Zach for over 30 years. And Zach formed St. Sophia's Mission three years ago, at which time he asked me to come on board. Uh, I was beating cancer for uh, the second time. At, at that point, and I made a promise to my family that my full-time job would be recovering, and which I did. Um, but congratulations. 
Thank you. St. Sophia's mission is a mission that is devoted to training young people with autism and other disabilities, such as blindness, to work in radio from the safety of their own home. And hmm. it is amazing. I cannot, I mean, we have, we have announcers, the majority of the announcers on New HD Radio have come through this process. They have been identified, they have been trained, and they have been given a shot at working either on or off the air production or being on the air, uh, working with music, uh, social media platforms. And I, I, it, it's difficult for me to describe seeing and hearing a young person with autism who would barely speak suddenly coming out of their shell in a short period of time. And it's really not a shell. It's coming out of the darkness and into the light. When they hear their voice on the radio, whether it be a commercial or being on the air, something happens. And uh, Well, I'd like to say something about that. You know, I always tell people I, I do it with clients. I do it in my personal life. People want to be heard it's an amazing thing to be heard right yes it is and when you're talking about not only autistic young people but blindness we have two announcers that are blind um you know how else commercial radio is not going to give them a job um but we provide training coaching zach and i both coach and um you know it, it's just so worthwhile to hear this. My son is about to uh, become an announcer on the station. My youngest. Oh, wait a minute! I don't want you to get too far ahead here because we're gonna. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna, gonna kind of lay down into this new HD radio thing for a minute. But I got to tell you, just hearing this is so amazing. And I've been on the website. And I wonder if it's okay to ask you to share the website because people are going to come to this as a podcast later on demand. And I want them to be able to go to the website. I want, you, I want them to be able to see these people. I saw it on the website and I'm like, oh my God, this just crushes you to think about just the spirit and the energy and the uplift of what you're doing. Sure. Um, new HD radio uh will get you there, newhdradio.com. Uh, New HD Media is uh, the primary site, but it feeds to, New HD Radio feeds to it as well. All right, so so I want to talk to you about New HD Radio, New HD Media. Lay it on us, brother. What, what, develop the whole story for us so that we can see it. Sure. Um, so... Uh, when Zach first put this on three years ago, he was working off of a uh, an HD signal on a New York radio station. Okay. And so that umbrella gave him the uh, benefit of having the station pay for BMI and ASCAP and SoundScan fees. Um, it was financially... Uh, an easier way to do things. Sure. The network. Uh, it started with New HD New York City. My partner lives in New York City. Uh, 
he then decided to add new HD Los Angeles as we found young people in Los Angeles with these disabilities that I'm talking to you about. Um, and new HD Los Angeles was launched. Now we have top of the line software that's available uh, to uh, to these young people. Uh, you know, our, our programming software, our BT software is amazing, very easy to use. And our uh, ability to just drop music into a Dropbox folder and automatically, you know, uh, but the format for the radio station in New York is somewhat of uh, a play off of the old N.E.W. format. So, I mean, in N.E.W., when it first started, would play anything. And this was at a time when there were no jack formats. Um, you know, if it was a good song, it got played. And there were a lot of deeper cuts and artists. Uh, we do interview artists uh, for our programming, we can, uh, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself, we can create instant podcasts from segments of the show. But let me go back to... to whoa, 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 whoa. The, these kids are creating podcasts also? That's correct. Nice. Yes. So, uh, you know, going back as far as the structure of the station goes, is that um, we picked a format in LA that was slightly different, pop rock. That station is about to change formats. I have uh, a new format that I'm going to introduce next month that I think is uh, something that is not only needed in LA, but remember, you can pick up these stations across the world. Right. Uh, we uh, have an app, a free download of the app. And the quality of our audio is something I get compliments on all the time. So you got to tell us about the apps, of course. Yeah, the uh, you know the app that we're uh, that we are currently using. Uh, I got to tell you, it is one of the cleanest and brightest sounds uh, for streaming. And it makes all the difference in the world because you're listening to it like you might well be listening to Sirius XM. Uh, the quality is so is so good. Now, uh, as far as growth goes for this company, our goal is to grow our company as we find uh, young people with disabilities in different markets. We right. have the ability to create a format a custom format, whether it be for a business or just public consumption. And we have the ability to add special programming to our stations. I myself do a five hour Christian rock show on Sundays called the Mustard Seed. Uh, we also have a version of that that I do 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. each morning on New York City. Uh, we have a metal show, the only metal show in America that runs every night of the week. It's called Metal After Midnight, and that runs 1 a.m. until 5 a.m. in the morning, and it's hosted by my partner, Zach, who goes by uh, Father Zach, who is actually a Russian Orthodox priest. Wow. Uh, uh, and he's a rocker. Um, of course he is. <laughs> yeah. 
So, you know, we have the ability to create custom stations. Now, we have already been approaching major advertisers around the world uh, and pitching them on building these custom radio stations for them. We're working on projects as we speak, which I can't talk about. Well, no, wait a minute. You realize the line extension for what you're doing can be fairly endless. It, it is endless. Mm -hmm. The possibilities are endless. And for us to make uh, a change or to add something is immediate. I mean, right now we're looking for a host for the uh, metal show. Uh, uh, not that Father Z wants to give it up, but uh, we're looking for artists that are interested in hosting an hour. Now, wait a minute. You're saying a musical artist? That's correct. That's what I thought. Yep. Uh, okay, so I'm going to back you up for just a minute. Uh, do I understand that you were on an HD signal in New York and in Los Angeles? That is correct. And how do you get someone to turn their HD over to you? How does that occur? And do you intend to expand to, and I'm just going to give this as examples, Seattle and San Diego and Minneapolis and Chicago and uh, Charlotte and Atlanta and New Orleans? Well, so uh, I mean, we're already looking at, you didn't mention our next cities, but we're already looking at Dallas. We're looking at Atlanta. We're looking at Miami, okay. uh, where, where there's a strong uh, community that supports autistic young people and young people with disabilities. Um, you know, with the, one of the projects that I can't mention right now is an urban station um, with uh, uh, a, a staff of minorities uh, who are suffering from disabilities. Uh, so that's in the works right now. But we can make these changes fairly quickly. And mm -hmm. as far as getting on an HD signal, the benefit to an owner would be it's a tax deduction. Absolutely. Num first and foremost, we're a 501c3. And so anything that you donate to permission and to our stations is a tax write-off. Including that, of course. Yes. All right. So let's get back to talking about you. And when I say you, I really mean new HD radio and these kids. You're in the podcasting space. Can you illuminate about that a little bit? What kind of things are you sharing in the podcast space? Uh, in I mean, um, one of our announcers uh, who is autistic uh, interviewed uh, just recently Don McLean, and I was simply blown away. I'm blown away by her ability on air, and I guarantee you that you will listen to her and have no clue that this is someone who did not want to talk two years ago. Um, so, you know, I mean, they can create, we have, our system allows us to take any segment and turn it into a podcast. We can either pre-program it or program it, so it automatically records and then gets up 
podcast. So mainly right now, we're dealing with interviews of artists. Right. We're not sticking to just musical artists. I mean, even though on our board of directors is Paul Rogers, the famous vocalist, possibly one of the best voices in rock and roll ever from Bad Company and Free. Paul Rogers is on our board of directors, but then so is Tiki Barber, um, who was a famous football player for the New York Giants. Uh, so we have people in business and in, um, you know, in, in the spotlight who are backing our project. Right. And why wouldn't they? That's right. Now, look, I, I got to ask you this. You know, you have this diverse broadcast background in terrestrial radio. Here you are doing something completely innovative that I'm going to say is for the good. I, how could you not say this is pretty amazing? You and I kind of had a little joking moment before we came on what will ultimately be our podcast here, where we're talking about your uh, slang use of the school of rock, like it's the school of hard knocks, right? Yes. But what, but what you guys are doing is sort of like a school of rock for radio and also in a twin lane, bringing people out out of the dark sort of it, it you know what it's it's very rewarding and as i mentioned earlier i'm very i'm extremely spiritual and right. believe that in this point of life after surviving cancer twice and a severe motorcycle accident that god has given me many blessings and each now that motorcycle I, thing is just that's all you <laughs> yeah that was on me no question yeah right uh, right but, uh, you know, I ask God every day to give me a chance to give back the many gifts that have been given to me. And that is exactly what I'm doing now. And not only am I helping young and future broadcasters, but I'm helping these young people with disabilities come out of the darkness and into the light. So it's uh, so listen, it's more than that. You are creating a different lane of content or different lanes of content. And I want to ask you this between you and your partner, okay, in New York, um, is there a sense of urgency that you know that you can help a lot more people than you're helping even now? I mean, people don't know how incredibly difficult this kind of thing can be. You are literally doing something that's innovative. And even though people love to talk about innovation, there's a lot of resistance to innovation. Is, the, is there a sense of urgency with you and your partner to help more and more of these kids? I think that it comes down to helping one person at a time. If I can go to bed at night, look at myself in the mirror and say, you know, one person today, then my life is complete. Um, yes, there are hundreds of thousands of people that we can help. And we have um, an ace up our sleeve when it comes to getting some national publicity. We're waiting for the format change at New HD LA to pull out that ace. Um, but I firmly believe that we're going to get worldwide publicity for what we're doing. I think that's going to be a game changer for us. Very, very good. I, I love what you're doing. I, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here. This is a true innovation for people that don't often get innovation 
uh, I'm not talking about normal people. I'm talking about people who have a hardship and and now they get a way that their voice can be heard, which is a huge deal. Listen, we're seeing so much happen in the audio space right now. Do you think that there's going to be more opportunities that are, let's call them beyond traditional in the audio space as the 21st century continues to roll out? Uh, sure. Look, when my, when my father was born, uh, you know, the the airplane was shortly was invented shortly after he was born uh, or actually, I'm sorry, shortly before he was born. So, you know, I look at what he saw in his lifetime. So, I mean, obviously, yes, technology is just going in leaps and bounds right now. As far as audio goes, um, people want their audio. And I have seen so many research studies, valid research studies that show that people will look elsewhere and will look for places to find their audio, but they also love the localization of radio. Mm -hmm. I mean, number one complaint of listeners to, um, to Spotify is that it's not local. There's nobody local to tell me that a tornado is coming. There's nobody local there to tell me that uh, there's been a disaster and a family needs help. Um, I'm a true broadcaster. I believe in the power of radio. And I believe that as long as radio remembers its roots and adheres to those roots, that it does have a future. Uh, but, you know, just like when the Internet uh, came out, you, know, you have to understand, I was I, I was in my career 25 years uh, before the Internet. So uh, when the Internet came out, radio stations, what did they do? They were constantly sending people to other people's websites. Hey, if you'd like to find out, <laughs> go to their website. No, it's really true. Yeah. I mean, we were sending everybody everywhere but our own website. That's right. That's right. The home of the low-hanging fruit. Yep. And that has got to change. The relationship between radio and the artists themselves is a golden egg waiting to be hatched. You know, radio stations must embrace the artists themselves because now these artists don't have to have a major record label to be successful. You know, they can do it on their own. I, on the side, among other things, I manage two different artists. And one of them is incredibly talented. And I know that he is going to be a major force in the music business in the coming years. Right. But he is a genius at social media and knows how uh, to press the flesh and to get his army of fans to help him further that uh, that career. A lot of people in the radio lane don't know that, that at Rainmaker Pathway, we have some engagement with television also. Earlier today, I was having a conversation about the difference between radio and television. As television has moved into this, let's call it the modern era for now, okay? They have started to map out more and more hours for local news. 
radio is putting more national talents on, those two industries are going in a completely different direction. And you know what, Ken? Somebody's wrong. Well, when I hear uh, voice tracking announcers from Dallas talking about or mispronouncing names in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, or, uh, you know, I've even heard announcers uh, during the football playoffs giving people scores uh, or telling them to join the Super Bowl at a specific time. You're chasing people away. You know, I mean, you know, I was taught very early on, you don't tell people that it's the bottom of the ninth and the score's tied in the World Series because everybody's going to go to the television and start watching it. <laughs> All right. So let's get back to uh, what you've been doing your entire life and relate it to what you're doing now in maybe the most fascinating way. So when you were programming radio stations, terrestrial radio stations, one of the things that you do is you coach all different kinds of talent. Well, now you're coaching a whole different, let's call it a level up group of talent. Yes. What is that experience like for you? Well, it's, it's humbling, quite frankly. Right. You know, I'm, I'm a much uh, wiser and much calmer individual in my years of wisdom, we'll call them. Yes. Uh, you know, I've been in this business for over 45 years. I don't feel like I have. Um, but, you know, I the feeling that I get is, again, that I'm making a difference in people's lives. That's all I ever wanted to do, because quite frankly, after about 30, 35 years in this business, I said to myself, you know, you really should have been a morning show talent um, and made twice, three times the money that you're making as a program director. Oh, Ken, uh, all of us in programming have had this. I'm talking about programmers. Yeah. We've all had that conversation with ourselves, right? Sure. <laughs> Uh, but now, at this point in my life, I, again, I've been very blessed. And, uh, you know, I now have the, this opportunity to work with people that would never get this chance in commercial radio. I know what it's done right. for me. I mean, I have coached some of the some of the top morning shows in the country. And I'll be glad to rattle them off to you. But it's not necessary. I'm not trying to brag. I'm just saying that, you know, I've worked with some incredible people who I still keep in touch with today. And, you know, it's wonderful when you get a call from somebody and they say, you know, I just wanted to call you up and tell you that, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today without your guidance 25 years ago and, you know, our sessions together. And that means the world to me. Now, now let's talk about young people who have never had anybody give them this opportunity. That's right. And now they are empowered. And, you know, being able to support themselves in the future is a driving force to what we're doing. As I mentioned, my partner and I both have children on the autistic scale. Mm -hmm. and, you know, when I'm gone, who's going to take care? Who's going to take care of our children that have these right. Well, we're teaching them a way to support themselves and be self-sufficient. Okay, so listen, I want you to hit 
the website again. I want you to hit the app again. So I want to have a, a firm opportunity for people to hear that, to go to it, to figure it out, to be part of it. And then if there's a way that people can be helpful, uh, lay that on us too. Okay. So the website is newhdradio.com. And when you click on that, you're going to give, uh, it's going to give our mission statement. And there are a couple of immediate links, but you'll be given the choice of listening to New HD New York or New HD Los Angeles. Nice. Um, you'll also get bios on our announcers that are on. You'll get bios on our board of directors and the things that we're doing to further our mission. We also have rock and roll auctions. We just got through with one. Oh, I uh, love this, too. This is really good. Um, I, throughout my career, have raised over a million dollars for charity, and that's through terrestrial radio. So yeah, I said to myself, well, if I can do it terrestrial radio, why can't I do it here? And we are. Um, we have three auctions a year to benefit St. Sophia's and everything from rock and roll memorabilia. This last auction had rock and roll memorabilia from the late uh, Ray Manzarek of the Doors, from Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, two of which have since passed. Uh, you know, autographed items from David Lee Roth, Fish, um, Ray Davies of the Kinks. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on, plus incredible bucket list vacations around the world and here in the United States. So we do this through a platform uh, that gives us this software for free because we are a nonprofit. Right. By the way, I I won't do this on the podcast itself or live right now in the event, but I do want you and I to hook up later in the week because I have a way to create a multiplier on auctions of this type. And I think that it's such a great cause that I would love to see this explode and become larger and larger because you are well, doing some really great work. Let me let me just give a plug to uh, the uh, the auction company. Travelpledgeauction.com uh, allows charitable organizations like ours to use their auction software absolutely free. And that's a big deal because if you were to pay for that, you know, you're talking 5,000 plus uh, just to be able to rent that. And I can use their software any time I want. Um, these are the things you figure out once you start working for a nonprofit. Uh, ways for you to get things done at a discount. Now, that's right. BMI, let me just touch briefly and just say that BMI and ASCAP fees. Uh, you know, we pay them like everyone else, and we're not on an HD signal. We have to pay it out of our pockets. So, yes, we can expand without an HD signal in a market. Right. Um, but it's a lot uh, more cost effective if we can. That's right. That's right. Well, listen, I want to thank you, Ken, for joining us for Innovation in Audio. I do hope you'll stick around for a few minutes in case somebody in our audience might have a question or two for you. Does that sound okay? Yeah, sure. Fine. All right. Listen, if you haven't subscribed to the Encouragers Innovation in Audio podcast, you're already missing out on great content every single week. Not to mention that we have a very large archive of interviews that 
span quite a lot of different innovation that will be startling and surprising to you. We already have grown this archive of shows for you. You won't be able to believe what you can actually hear uh, that can improve your, your the value of your career today and move you forward. While you are listening to this live event, please make sure you've joined the encouragers here on the Clubhouse app and share what we are doing with friends in radio and audio and people who are interested in innovation. That's why we do this, to try to encourage others. You can find out what our guests are talking about every single week by showing up here live either on Monday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, or Wednesdays, uh, 7 p.m., 4 p.m. Pacific. And of course, uh, you can always subscribe to our podcast. We have two podcasts for you. That would be the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast and the Encouragers the Radio Rally Podcast. And both of these podcasts are on Apple, Audible, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. We are going to open up the room in case we have questions from you about our guests. There are a couple of different ways you can do it. Of course, you can come up on the stage and talk live to the guest and ask the question that way. If you do that, we ask that when we bring you up on the stage that you do mute your microphone until we call on you. The other way is to send me a question through the IM services through the Clubhouse app, which you can now do as well. So we'll get to that in just a minute. I do want to say that on the encouragers our goal is to encourage pros at all levels in the radio business. This includes helping broadcasters sell radio advertising. We now have a quarterly a radio exclusive sales event, and you can attend for free, whether you are a market manager, a local on the ground seller, a sales manager, a director of sales at any level. This is for you. It is free. This is not a pitch. This is just part of what we do. We do it quarterly. If you missed our first quarterly sales event, our exclusive event was called the 2022 Sales Liftoff for Q1. You can find that by subscribing to the podcast, uh, the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast and the Encouragers, the Radio Rally Podcast. We put it on both just so it's part of our free archive. However, we want to ask you to go ahead in advance and save this date I'm about to share with you uh, and share it with anyone associated with broadcaster audio revenue. April 14th, 2022, that is the date for our next exclusive radio sales event for market managers, sales managers, and local radio sellers. We're calling the upcoming Q2 sales exclusive event getting higher sales now in a crowded market. Our guests are going to include our co-host, of course, which is Alec Drake, who is with Drake Media Group, and both Dave Deutsch, uh, who is president of Midwest Family, and Brian Maloney, who is vice president of Capital Broadcasting. These are real experts on the ground developing revenue for their markets, their clusters, and their companies. They know how to do this really well. They're going to share with you directly how to boost your Q2 and remaining 2022 revenue, April 14th, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, only on the Clubhouse app. Don't forget, coming up on Monday at 7 p.m., 4 p.m. Pacific, that means 7 p.m. Eastern, of course, our radio rally will be for March the 7th. Sal 
Abetta Marco, who is the national sales manager for Cox Media Group on Long Island, WBAB and WBLI. You can tell your friends, by the way, in innovation, audio, and specifically radio, how they can get free resources at RainmakerPathway.com. Of course, uh, we want you to be a part of this. I do see that I have a couple of IM suggested questions here. And so, Ken, I'm just going to hit you with these. The first one is... Uh, how has autism affecting the families of both you and your uh, uh, partner instructed you on how to uh, uh, correctly function in this role and grow this nonprofit in a way that is most important in leveraging the benefits for folks with autism? Well, first of all, let me say that uh, uh, both of our children that are on the scale, on the spectrum, are brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. They are savants in their own way. Um, and I'm not going to go into details, but I mean, these are, in my opinion, people with superpowers. They right. do. They have powers that I could never dream of. And so as far as, you know, what Zach and I get from this is just we realize how amazing our own children are. Right. Um, but it also reminds us how much they have to give our society in general. Now, one of our adopters that's on, it does a show prior to my uh, Mustard Seed show on Sundays, uh, is a young man who's on the show with his parents. And it's a three-way show. This is a young man who never spoke. And now he is speaking on that show every Sunday. Um, and so parents are getting involved. We encourage this. And we yeah. find these parents and these people through the Autism Society um, and other organizations, other charitable organizations, including the National Federation for the Blind. Mm. So uh, this final question for you, how can others, I've, I've kind of asked this question, but somebody wants to know this too. How can others help your mission at New HD Radio? How can they help you get more uh, cities, more activity, more help? Well, it's, you know, spread the word, uh, really. And, and if you truly want to, if you aren't in a position to help financially, then, you know, we're always looking for uh, people to do imaging for us, for people to do uh, sweeper VO, um, you know, as we put on stations. We want these stations to sound um, as professionally uh programmed as possible um but it's all you know it's all about the kids it's right. all about the i shouldn't call them kids because there are many young adults the, it's all about the young adults and so it's what they get out of this um that makes the difference and by the way we play great music that is not heard in many many markets across the country we're playing new music uh, we're playing it from different genres. Uh, we're breaking bands on a regular basis. If you have uh, someone that in your community that has a band that wants to participate on in our mission or anybody, contact me directly. I'm going to give you my email address. Nice. It's, it's Carson 
at newhdmedia.com. Yeah, you're going to spill that Carson for everybody. <laughs> D-A-R-S-O-N. Very good. Um, so you can contact me directly, and I can tell you ways that you can help uh, our mission moving forward. This is the great thing about having a platform like this on Clubhouse where we can put somebody on who's doing something really amazing. You talk about having an opportunity to encourage others. How much more encouraging can you get than Ken Carson right now? And you did hear him, by the way, tell everybody to spread this podcast everywhere. So don't be bashful in doing that. We want people to know about this mission. We want them to know what Ken and his partner are doing. We do try to keep things to about an hour. Our thanks to Ken Carson for being our patient and giving guest. A very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast, which will be available shortly uh, anywhere you get your podcast. A thank you to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. Please do share our podcast, the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, and the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast, which is what you're actually listening to right now, with others that you know are interested in growing their careers in audio or people who are just interested in learning how do you handle creativity and innovation in a world that's not always accepting of that. Both of our podcasts are available on Apple, Audible, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. If you don't remember anything that you have heard during this live broadcast or the podcast, if you're listening later, remember this, be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of Innovation and Audio and the Encouragers, and good night.